Well... Hey! We're recording the podcast! Shut up! Good morning to you wherever you are because it is a morning somewhere for February 26, 2024. My name is Bernie Burns sitting right over here. I'm looking right at her. She's 75% hazelnut. Ashley Burns, how you doing, Ash? <laughs> I'm a huge percentage of the world's supply. Yeah, we got a, we got a, I got hammered a little bit in the comments this week. First of all, we both got hammered because we covered a very sensitive topic, which was uh, talking about how the Google AI was being kind of sort of racist. And we were thinking about how do we approach this? How do we talk about this in the right way? And it turns out nobody got upset about us talking about that, but they got very upset about us talking about how potato chips <laughs> are packaged <laughs> in different countries. Look, if you ever need to distract someone, distract them with food. It's a winning strategy. Look, I'm a basic girl. I just want regular, thin-cut, salted potato chips. In the U.S., the, the equivalent is Lay's Classic. That's my jam. I don't do a whole lot of added flavors for my crisps, for my chips. I just want the basics. The equivalent here is Walker's Ready Salted, or sometimes they're like legendary Ready Salted or something. Anyway, uh, and for whatever reason, the stores near here, they do not stock large bags of those. So whether that's a rural issue, whether this is a UK-wide issue, and these types of crisps simply do not get enough respect in the region, not sure what it is. Regardless, I trust me, I've looked for these large sharing bags of crisps in my stores, I can't find them. I'm going to set up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up, I'm going to set up whatever the equivalent is of a P.O. box and everyone can send me salted crisps. I don't need the like nice like lime and coriander or chicken barbecue or anything like that. Those are lovely, but actually I find them a little bit too strongly flavored. Prawn cocktail? No, get it out of here. <laughs> I don't even understand what that is supposed to be. Is that supposed to be a shrimp cocktail yes. flavored potato chip? Are Basically. shrimp cocktails, are they that common in the UK? Because I don't think I've ever run into anyone eating an actual prawn cocktail the entire time I've been here. Yet it's a common enough flavor, I suppose, that they wanted to make an entire chip based on it. Can I tell you one of the weirdest crisp flavors that I've ever run into in my entire life? Baked potato flavored. Just going to let the irony sink in there that they had to add flavoring to a crisp to make it taste like a potato. <laughs> it's fully loaded. It's a fully loaded baked potato. Did it, <laughs> did it taste like a baked potato? <laughs> I mean, it tasted, yeah, it was fine. It was just so weird that no one sat and looked at that and were like, should we make potato flavored potatoes? So while we're talking about P.O. boxes and things like that and things that are different in the UK, should also point out that post offices... In the UK, at least in the part of the UK that we're in, because now I guess we have to qualify it this way. Uh, post offices are in just like candy shops, like little convenience stores. That's a post office in the UK. Yeah, it's great. It's all, it's like it's a special register in, uh, yeah, like a stationery slash candy slash newspaper shop. It's, uh, it's interesting, but I actually, I don't mind it at all. Uh, and also, the one of the big differences here is in the US, if you mail something... USPS, it's like, oh, God, here we go. You mail something Royal Mail here, no sweat. It, it gets there quick. It gets there safe. I've had parcels 
packages uh, that have been delivered via other like UPS, which in the U.S. would be very reliable. That here, it's like someone played a game of kickball with it and then dropped it in a shed. While we're talking about the post office in the U.K., Ash, we should probably mention that one of the biggest scandals in the U.K. in the last few years has been the post office scandal, where people literally had their lives ruined and some people went to prison because of errors in the accounting software that post offices, these post offices that are in convenience stores, were using. And there were these major shortfalls and people were accused of fraud and embezzlement and had their lives ruined. And then it came out later like, oh, no, yeah, that was just the software. Sorry about that, everybody. Well, before we get too far away from uh, consuming things and the delights thereof, I want to talk about something that you brought me from your last uh, trip. And that is, it was meant to be kind of a silly souvenir, um, but it's turned out to be this amazing thing. It's my like the best thing in my life right now. And it's a Bucky's cup. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So when I was in Texas, I went to Bucky's, which is a gigantic road stop. I mean, it's almost like a shopping mall for snacks. And I knew Valentine's Day was coming up and I had some stuff for Ashley, but I thought she loves Ashley. You love red stuff for some reason. It would just, for whatever reason, if I see something that's red, especially if it's around Valentine's Day, it's perfect because there's so much red stuff and you love it, but I'll always pick up something if I see if it's red or if there's a red version of an electronic thing that you want, I know that's the version to get. And they had a red insulated Bucky's cup with a gigantic Bucky's logo, which has this big dumb beaver on it. And I thought, I'll just get that because it's so completely Texas uh, and so American. And I'll just bring that back and act like that's the Valentine's Day gift. But it turns out that's the Valentine's Day gift that you loved more than anything else. <laughs> it's been so great. So it's it's kind of an insulated mug for coffee, things like that. But it's also really good for ice beverages like uh, like sodas and things like that. It keeps the ice in it for ages. And my beverages are nice and tasty and chilly. Or they're nice and warm and they stay that way. Anyway, it's been unexpectedly great. It's a really good size for me. And because it's it's not too big, it's not too small, it's easy to carry around. I just, I don't know, this stupid cup, I'm in love with it. So I want to say thank you for that. That was a great gift. My pleasure. You did not like my other joke gift or joke purchase, I, I should say. I got my notification from Tesla that my Founders Edition Cybertruck is now ready to be ordered because years ago, I put down, I think, like 250 bucks uh, as a reservation on a Cybertruck when they announced it. And according to the articles I've been reading, it's been four years since they announced it. Um, And I I have a philosophy of never, ever pre-order software and always pre-order hardware, especially if there's like a little deposit, because my logic was you can always just sell it. Well, Ashley, it turns out, first of all, that. I'm not going to be buying a Cybertruck. You'll be happy to No, be. you are not going to be buying a Cybertruck. But the bad news is, turns out, I can't sell my reservation because they don't allow that. In fact, uh, they had in their early sales agreements, when you went to purchase one, that if you flip the vehicle, you had to pay Tesla $50,000. What? For flipping the vehicle and changing ownership. Yeah. And it actually was, uh, a, I, I didn't catch on to this because I wasn't that interested in the Cybertruck by that point. Uh, but actually, a lot of people noticed it. They got really upset. It went away, went out of the agreement, and then it went back into the agreement later. So they have an anti-flipping penalty that you have to pay Tesla if you sell your vehicle after you buy it. That's so weird. That's so weird. And yeah, the, the, I, honestly, the Cybertruck seems like a weird thing to do that with. I don't. Do you feel well, like that's going well? I don't feel like the Cybertruck is going well. 
No, but then again, it's it's kind of hard to tell with Tesla because like you read about the there's rusting and stuff, but I haven't seen any pictures of it. They're just saying that theoretically it can rust and they use the wrong stainless steel. This, that, the other thing everyone was talking about when they threw the baseball or whatever and they shattered the unshatterable windows. But I got to say, too, my opinion of Tesla is down from what it has been historically. Um, but I do have to recognize the fact that Tesla gets an incredible amount of negative press. Like every time a Tesla gets in an accident, it seems like it's national news. If a, if a Tesla Model S gets in a car accident, you know, man, like people can talk to you on the street. They, they, they can tell you like how many liters of water it takes to put out a Tesla fire. But they don't know how many liters of water it takes to put out a normal petrol car. It almost feels like this anti-environmentalist lobbying that everyone is kind of latching onto. Or it might even be just, you know, uh, the automakers trying to push the new person out. But it's incredible the amount of negative press that Tesla gets all the time. You know what I think it is, too, though, is I think it's a side effect of one of the reasons that you read so much about Tesla getting into crashes is because Tesla is one of the few companies that was uh, or has been trying to push really hard on things like self-driving. And so the media is happy to latch onto that as a recognizable and fairly hip name to attach to any sort of uh, controversy about self-driving. And that's where a lot of the accident reporting comes in is like, oh, were they self-driving? Uh, the Tesla got in an accident. Were they self-driving? What was going on? And even if it's down to driver error, a lot of times it's couched in the discussion about self-driving and autonomous vehicles. And I have to say, too, uh, the whole self-driving thing on the Tesla, in my experience, is a complete and total lie. It is not. It is advanced cruise control is what it is. And I do have an older one. My my Tesla is 10 years old at this point. Um, I've always been really happy with it because you have to do almost no maintenance on EVs. You don't have to do oil changes. You basically just change tires and brake pads, and that's it. That being said, I know a lot of people that have bought Teslas in the last, like, five, seven years, and they have been miserable with the build quality of the car. I just never ran into any of that stuff. Yeah, but it, it definitely happens. So it seems uh, maybe a bit hit or miss. I can see why people use Tesla in the discussion, though. Remember, there was recently, uh, I think it was like a mob of people in San Francisco attacked and destroyed a self-driving <laughs> vehicle, like one of those like autonomous taxis. You know, I'd like to. It's not a. It's not autonomous. Uh, but the same thing with those lime, those Lime scooters, uh, which was that model from like five years ago, where there was just free scooters laying on the sidewalks everywhere you would go. And especially in Austin, people had such a high rejection for them. They would just start chucking them into the river. And I think the same thing happened in San Francisco as well. Yeah, like I think people did were well. so mad at the scooters. They're like, we'll just destroy the environment now. You know what, though, is they're really just continuing the grand tradition of San Francisco. From what I understand, a lot of the city uh, is built on uh, basically the wrecks of old ships. Because people would get uh, <laughs> ships there for the like gold rush or whatever, and then uh, and then all the people would go off for the gold rush, leave the ships behind, and they just sort of decomposed over time. And so that became the foundation for a lot of where the city's built on. This might all be urban myth, honestly, but what? it's quite. But I've it's, never no, heard I'm this sure before. It's completely <laughs> factual. It's all you know. The the high rises are built on old ships, Bernie, and uh, so we're just grand, you know continuing the grand tradition of chucking a bunch of stuff in the water, and then one day building on top of it, Bernie. Mo listen to this. This is from the VintageNews.com. 
Much of downtown San Francisco was built on the landfill containing sunken ships abandoned at the time of the gold rush. Look at you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, there weren't railroads, automobiles, or airplanes during the gold rush of 1849 and 1850. The fastest way to get to the gold fields was to travel by boat, and they ended up in a landfill of old ships. That's crazy. That's cra- I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> well, now you've learned something. You know, it's so crazy, too. You think the seismic activity in Northern California, and they've got an entire city sitting on a landfill. That's fucking wild. That's maybe wild. the maybe the landfill though makes it just squishy enough that it uh it you know softens the blow. Uh, it just fits <laughs> in the modern tale too. I hear that the expanding parts of Austin are all built on landfills filled with Teslas, so it'll be perfect in the future. We'll be able to tell those to our grandkids. Oh yeah, our house is built on old cyber trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Stable as, but it might rust. Um, speaking yeah. of though. <laughs> Uh, just abandoning things. Uh, congratulations. There is a new lunar lander on the moon. Um, the lunar lander Odysseus um, by uh, Intuitive Machines has just become the first private aerospace uh, landed spacecraft on the moon's surface. Um, it launched last Thursday on a, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, and it was aiming It was aiming for the, for the South Pole, which everyone is on about now because they think they might find... Water, your favorite thing, Bernie, water on the moon. Actually, your water thing is water on Mars. But there might be water in the moons and, you know, hiding in craters or something. Who knows? And um, and so it's touched down successfully. Uh, it did tip over. Minor detail. Minor detail. It's down. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the tipping over. Um, it does have a couple of tools, which are going to be interesting. It's got a, a laser retroflector array to help other spacecraft make their landings. Um, and also a, oh, that's a beacon. Cool. For um, to provide geolocation data to landers, rovers, and uh, and things, so that they could maybe then visit the site. There's also a thing with these landers that I don't really understand. Maybe you have you know more knowledge of it than I do, or maybe we're all just clueless. Um, and that is that these landers keep taking weird private company payloads. Remember, there was a lot of controversy with I believe the last one, the one that that failed um, because it was taking human remains. To the, do you remember hearing about that? Well, I remember there was something about Native American religion. I agree with you. I think it was human remains that were on it as well. Some um, kind of well, ashes. Yeah, this one is not carrying human remains, thank goodness. Um, but it is carrying a bunch of other stuff. Like there's an art project by Jeff Koons containing 125 miniature moon sculptures. Like why did this need to go to the moon? Does the... Do, I, I mean, I guess, does the moon not know what it looks like? It's not much weight, which is always the consideration. They do something light. Uh, and then it's something that they can use to, you know, grab headlines. And that helps you get funding because people have, people like these stories about, you know, it's it's why they keep leaning into the thing that we made jokes about, which was, you know, measuring asteroids in terms of weird animals and things like that. It's just something that gets people excited. And if people get excited, it makes it easier for them to get funding. That's what I think. I will say that. Do you remember uh, what year was it um, when the the Mars Curiosity rover um, made it to Mars and had the Twitter account going and everything? That was quite exciting. Yeah. And there was a point in time when you would get the uh, images that were coming back uh, from the Mars rovers. And that was really cool to have those come in because they would, they, I remember people would be at work and they would be loading them up. Like here's today's image that they've released. 
And it was really cool because you would scan stuff and you were looking at a different planet. That's really cool, you know, to be able to do that kind of thing. Well, you're going to enjoy this lander then because it, it did send home uh, some photos of selfies of itself with Earth. Oh, so that's, that's did it exciting. really? It did. It did. We'll put those in the link dump because they're actually pretty cool. Did it do any like uh, TikTok dances while it was up there or anything <laughs> like that? Well, it tipped over. So it's planking right now. It's got its own energy drink now, Ashley. <laughs> Look for it in stores. Um, I'm looking at this, the Peregrine mission. What were the human remains on it? Uh, first ever private lunar lander is on its way to the moon after successfully blasting off from Florida. However, leaders of the Navajo Nation have criticized the launch because the lander is carrying some controversial cargo on its way to the lunar surface. Human remains. Uh, the rocket will orbit Earth several times. God, these articles, when you read articles on the fly now, it's just like they do so much to pad the article. It's like you're reading something by an eighth grader that was told they have to do 1,500 words. And so they hide information in it. Like some people are curious what was on the rover. You know, the rover contains things that really excited people. It's like, just say what it fucking is, man. God Maybe it's written damn. by AI. It might have been written by AI, but I really don't think so. I think it's written by people who just want to like string you along. As much as they possibly can. I just don't get it. Anyway, there was human remains on there and Navajos were upset about it. So there you go. One thing that I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about uh, because it's not as fun as something like the Lunar Lander, but we're probably going to feel the consequences of it a bit more directly uh, is streaming profits. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery just announced that they made a full year profit on streaming in 2023. And that's a pretty huge deal. That's great. And I know the tactics that they have been using you know, to run that business have uh, not been popular with a lot of people. And right. I know a lot of people are not going to be happy that they're they're actually profitable, you know, utilizing those tactics. Yeah. And then that's why I think it's important to keep an eye on this is it does mean that in the same way that a lot of streamers looked at what Netflix was doing with their password crackdown, saw that it worked fine and are now implementing their own, we may see more of these kinds of tactics from other streamers who are trying to turn a profit um, because it was a pretty huge turnaround. So Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, they announced they made $103 million in uh, 2023, uh, so full year streaming profit, and that's following nearly a $2.1 billion loss for 2022. And that does include things like probably write-downs for Batgirl and, or Batwoman, Bat whatever. But uh, um, it worked. So between like all all of the crazy things they did, managed to ditch a billion dollar, two billion dollars in debt, and actually make a profit for the first time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see other um, other streamers that are they're struggling to turn a profit look to this model for some ideas. The name of the movie that you were looking for, Ashley, was Madam Bat. <laughs> I have to say, too, what really shocked me in this whole thing was uh, that after they announced that they were the first streaming service to become profitable for the year, um, they immediately went down in the market. Their stock was down 9 to 10%. It's really, really wild that that would happen. It's, uh, you know, sometimes the market doesn't always reflect the economy or doesn't reflect the results. And this was a case that really didn't make any sense to me at all because I don't think anyone was expecting wanted to come out and say that they were profitable after all of the shenanigans that they pulled this year, but they did it and the market still punished them anyway. Really bizarre to me. Anyway, that does it for us. February 26, 2024. We will be back to talk to you tomorrow. We hope you'll be here as well.
Bye, everybody.